0: Hello, welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We are talking Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> Dakota, you got a theme song for me on that? Oh,
1: no, I got nothing. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm just mostly kind of... Is it weird that yes, this title... It is <laughs> The title <laughs> of this movie just kind of throws me off like... Like, you know, growing up, we had, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but that sounded a little more natural since he was the author of the yeah. book. <laughs> and this is Zack Snyder's
0: Justice League. And it just feels like if something off feels yeah. off about it. Well, for a long time, it was just called Justice League, the Snyder Cut. They were just kind of calling it that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, during this last kind of push, they started referring to it as Zack Snyder's and... uh yeah, kind of. I was like, okay, I guess that's where we're at now. This isn't, this isn't Joel Schuster and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they went there. So we yeah we are going to talk about that. Let's let's go back a little bit. First off, for some reason I had in my head that the the I guess the, for the sake of clarity we'll just call it the theatrical <laughs> Justice League that happened. I had in my head that it was 2018, and was shocked when. We looked it up and it was 2017, but then I have to remember that Aquaman was in there and that came out in 2018, Yeah, like Christmas 2018. And it's like, yeah, Justice League did have to be that long ago, the theatrical version. So no wonder it feels like the release of Snyder Cut thing has been around a long time because it was. Yeah. Um.
1: Oh, I'm trying to remember this whole journey because it was... People were upset at how the Justice movie Justice League movie, turned out, and the outcry seemed to be pretty large.
0: Yeah. I remember being a little shocked, because... Especially, I mean, obviously, within the nerd communities, like, yeah. you know, soccer mom and we guy had, who just goes to a movie every weekend, they weren't quite as, like, up in arms about it. Yeah, and it was
1: it was interesting in a way, because I remember thinking, man, maybe it was Zack Snyder had gotten to do this movie it'd be it'd be a little better maybe you know we'd at least get some great action scenes instead of the justice league kind of just tripping over themselves and getting knocked down
0: yeah awkward winks at each other and things like that yeah humor from the 90s (laughs) yeah leftover bits that never got used in uh, buffy (laughs) or angel or something yeah and And it wasn't, there was always this like, oh, would have been nice because Zack Snyder is very polarizing, but the people who love him are really passionate, I think, for him. But then I think that he even won over the people like me that are kind of like, eh, about Zack Snyder. I'm kind of like, yeah, he has some good stuff here and there. Because it was like, that movie was so, it was, it was borderline nothing to like, kind of repulsive at just like what are they what are they even doing here it was just so thrown together in weird choices you know
1: yeah the the kind of intro the intro to the movie where like that music's playing and like you see the guy the homeless guy on the street with the sign that says i tried and i was like is that was that joss whedon just telling everybody that <laughs> yeah was that like his like it's not on me guys or something but it just—it felt so disjointed from the beginning. And... Yeah,
0: and then he brought in Danny Elfman, and they were kind of recycling, uh, Batman '89 themes and yeah. Superman '78 themes, and it was just like, it was just like anything to get it done is what it just felt like, and get something out there. And so I think because it felt so like, so unfinished and so unpolished, and then you had like. You know, everybody knew that Snyder didn't want to leave the project, but for personal reasons had to. I think it just kind of caused that to kind of get pushed out there. But then it felt like what really got it going was when everybody got really bored. Like, (laughs) people just had more time on their hands, and then all of a sudden there's more of a push. And then it felt like once it gained a lot of steam, then all of a sudden it was like, and I think, let's... Let's get all put all the cards on the table. I think Warner Brothers was just looking for something they thought would gain them subscribers to HBO Max, and they thought maybe this could be it.
1: Well, you know, in all fairness, and we'll find out. <laughs> I
0: guess it's kind of soon to know if how much it really has affected that.
1: Yeah, a lot of free trials for HBO Max right now. That's <laughs> for sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, uh, they, yo, know, they tried to rush the Justice League. They didn't take their time and you know, kind of slowly ease themselves into it. They were like. Full speed ahead! We gotta have this thing going now. Yeah, and they did that with HBO Max, and it's like, man, these guys at Warner Brothers just never learn their lesson, do they? Yeah, and so you know, they they looked around, they're like, okay, we need like we need more Game of Thrones. How many Game of Thrones shows can we get? And it's like we're not gonna see those for years, guys, if if ever. I think a couple of them got canceled already. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, of course. This year we'll be seeing the Matrix sequel, which seems awfully quick
0: considering it was just announced a year ago. Yeah, it's like a sequel or like a parallel story or a meta story. Some people are thinking it could be even meta where Keanu Reeves is playing himself in a sense. And so nobody knows what's happening there. And honestly, the the way the Wachowskis' ideas are these days especially... Um. who knows what's going to happen with that thing.
1: Yeah, I feel... I honestly feel like they should do what Halloween has done repeatedly in their series of movies where, like, you know, last two don't count. Let's <laughs> uh, let's just clear the board. And... It,
0: it, I Yeah, I think the only way you'd get that to happen is if they released it over to someone else to do. Like, the Wachowskis aren't going to ever just be like, yeah. Revo- revolutions and reloaded, you know, let's just erase <laughs> those or whatever. But yeah, let's. So let's kind of. We'll kind of get us like a little prologue thing here and kind of work our way now into specifically talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, now, everybody knows that this was possibly going to be a two part movie when originally they were making it. And then it was going to be a couple more Justice League movies, just continually building the Justice League, going to something bigger. It's hard to say if we're going to get that now. You could say just probably not or they're going to go a different direction just because how well, things have gone now over the past four years. Um, But this, let's specifically talk about how did you feel about the choice, Dakota, to like break this up into like kind of parts that had kind of definitive fade outs and then fade back in, you know, and having kind of titles yeah. to each of those parts?
1: Um, I feel like that was really a good choice because, I mean, not everyone's going to have, like, four hours to sit down and watch this whole thing. Yes. So it is, in a way, it's kind of, you could just stop there and then come back to it and pick it back up. I was it.
0: realizing that because when we were done with it, I was like, in a way, I'd like to go back and kind of see some of it again, but it's like, oh, it's so daunting. And then as I was laying in bed, I was like, oh, I guess you could just stop at one of those kind of breaks because even though the story's still going, they kind of do make these kind of, like, definitive kind of like closeout points where it's almost like a commercial break so to speak where you could do that um yeah i thought that was i thought that was pretty smart um to do it that way and there was all the back and forth on if this was going to be like released as like an episodic series and so maybe he still kind of he kind (laughs) of did it in that way just in case they decided to go that direction yeah so i don't know
1: and it'll be interesting because, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, If this, I think if this gets, which it probably will be released on Blu-ray, I'm probably just going to pick it up.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would imagine at some point they'll do it on Blu-ray, whether they wait like a year just so it can hang around on streaming for a while yeah. to try to pick up subscribers or whatever. Um. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I agree that I thought that was a good choice. And let's talk about some of the just overall look because there was a lot of things that looked quite a bit different and not even just in like character design, but just like literal what I'm looking at as far as saturation of film and things like that. Um, did you feel like some of those, what what would you consider in that improvements or you were like, well, it was unnecessary or whatever, just. Uh.
1: Well, for one, there's not a lot of like garish lights. Like, you know, there are certain scenes where in, the theatrical cut where the shot just looks like they tinkered with the lighting and everyone. um, I think it's even like that with Cyborg a few times in the theatrical cut where it's like you, uh, it's just like that little, the lights on him are just kind of like not really, like they didn't take the time in post production to really kind of, like, oh, how would this light affect this area or this area? Or, uh, sure, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and then, things just kind of have like a. Everything in this movie basically feels like it's all it's all connected, whereas in, mm-hmm. uh, th- once again, theatrical cut, it just seemed like, they were stealing ideas from random stuff.
0: Like, yeah. I guess the big thing would be,
1: and everyone keeps saying it over and over, again: the, the bad guy looks like a PS2 villain in the theatrical cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and something we were noticing, too, was how some of the scenes, it would, like, be in the same location, but it was a completely different scene. Yeah. It was, like, everybody was acting different, the stakes that were on the line were completely different, and... Um, in most of those I would say it was an improvement even though in typical Zack Snyder fashion, this is kind of what happens with a lot of his stuff where I was like this goes back to just even like Man of Steel and stuff with his superhero stuff where it's like, okay you were trying to prevent like a big catastrophe from happening but you still wrecked a lot of stuff, you know, to stop a catastrophe where it was like I guess you turned a big catastrophe into a smaller catastrophe. Like, there's a point where it's like, we have to stop this four-block radius explosion, but Wonder Woman still basically explodes an entire floor of a building out (laughs) and vaporizes someone? Oh,
1: it's okay, because it was was Ruse Bolton from Game of Thrones (laughs) she killed, (laughs) I think. Some people understand, you know? Some, yeah. Some people still have strong feelings towards that character. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I guess just just to get this out there, we're probably going to end up talking about spoilery things, so if that bothers you, I guess you might want to watch the movie first, but that's probably just going to come up in our talk about this.
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that was going to end badly. Like, the bomb was going to go off. And I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, it was hard die. to know where they were going because, uh, um, yeah, I just felt like anything in this movie is going to be able to go anywhere because as far as we knew, he was given completely creative control. This The studio wasn't really telling him he had to change certain things to be more or less morbid or, you know, or whatever. And so, yeah, and, you just didn't know what was going to happen in some of those spots. Yeah. I think the
1: most, the thing being a huge fan of these characters for a couple decades is the biggest part I loved about this movie, and there were parts that I thought were great, like just jaw-droppingly epic. Every superhero in this movie has a handle on their powers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which, man, and they all looked good, and they you, they knew how to handle themselves, and I'm like, this this really adds to the movie. It makes you root for these people, because we, we really didn't see it in the Wonder Woman movies, but Wonder Woman is actually capable of moving at super speed. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. The <laughs> ways they use that yeah. in this movie were, like, pretty great. And, yeah, the Flash is actually the Flash. He's not some guy who's just like, well, you know, I have a costume and I push people down and run away. And-
0: yeah, because that I, – I struggled with that in the theatrical one where it was like – it was like he didn't know what to do or something, and and then Wonder Woman's like, just – I can't remember what she says to him, like, this little pep dog, like, just work on saving one person. It was kind of one of those, like, little (laughs) cheesy things, and then he's like, oh, I get it now, or something, but he was still kind of, like, not great, whereas in this, you see, like, he's, like, a he's confident within his usability, and also, you just see, like, Flash and Cyborg have things to do in this cut, like, they're not, their stories aren't just completely, like, hacked down. In fact... What I thought was interesting about this, I was realizing that it feels like Aquaman was the least, like, uh, his story beats were almost, like, probably the lowest on the list in this kind of...
1: Yeah, I think the general consensus was he had a movie coming out within, it had to have been a little over a year. Yeah. So I think they were just kind of like, yeah, we're going to let them do the heavy lifting, he's just going to kind of be here. Uh, Be the muscle of the team, essentially.
0: Yeah, because you realize in this that they were doing things with how the Atlanteans function that they completely change in the Aquaman movie. Like, every time they talk in this movie, you know, they have to go into, like, an air bubble to talk to each other. Whereas in Aquaman, they're just talking underwater. Willem uh, Willem Dafoe, (laughs) yeah, he looks totally different with, like, weird long hair.
1: So, I really don't want to talk about this actress, but we have to kind of address something. Why does Amber Heard sound so different in this movie as opposed to Aquaman? I don't
0: know. It's like she had an accent, like, yeah. but it was like a, it was like this noticeable trying to do something accent. And I know I I'm, I was gonna ask you about that because I was like I don't remember this thick of an accent in Aquaman.
1: No, she didn't. She was just using her regular speaking voice in Aquaman.
0: Yeah, it was, and so yeah, it was just, and that's one of those things where, like, like we this whole thing was promoted is like we're seeing the original vision of justice league. And so I guess, yeah, they still weren't sure how all the Atlantean stuff was going to go, but yeah, just, just
1: throwing it out there, especially in the scene, uh, the nightmare scene that, you know, has been talked about a lot. She's in that and she, it's especially noticeable there. Cause she's kind of, she has more of a presence there, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just kind of noticing that. But it probably was that they just knew his movie was coming out and they were trying to, like, hold back a little bit there. Because what you do realize, like, in this original, what's supposedly his original vision, although we can probably assume that he maybe learned from some mistakes also, that Cyborg is really, um, he's not the like necessarily, like, carrying the movie on his shoulders, but his story beats are really pivotal to this cut of the Justice League. To this original vision. Yeah, and he,
1: here's the thing, not just that, but you really feel for him throughout this whole movie. Yeah. And and here's something that you know, as a comic book fan, I've kind of um uh, as you're reading this stuff, you kind of think to yourself, man, what would I do in that situation? There's a moment in the movie where that actually happens. Like, man, if you if you could do some of the things these people do would you kind of tip the scale a little bit more in the balance of the needy, the people who are downtrodden. And in a way I was like, you know, I because you know, Superman is like the is, you know, the guy on the pillar, you know, the guy you look up to like, man, I wish I could be
0: him. Yeah.
1: But there's the greater superhero comics was like, what would I do if I was in those shoes? And there's a moment like that with Cyborg in this movie and I was like, man, that really got to me and I liked it.
0: Yeah, there was some, yeah, where you're just like you said, you're just you're feeling for him. I mean he's he's essentially like a Robotop cop type character like he didn't <laughs> ask for this. It just kind of happened and he's having to come to grips with do I am I going to be able to accept this new reality? What does this new reality mean? You know, and all those things, and so you really do kind of go on that kind of emotional journey with him in that way,
1: and on back to his part of the story, his dad has such a more fleshed out role, yeah, and kind of just back to what Steven said spoil it for you. he does die, I mean, Zack Snyder said basically he was gonna die when he it was announced this movie was coming out, so that's not really a spoiler, but in the end, it's there's there's a really heartfelt moment, yeah. And man, this movie just had such genuine, genuine parts like that. And it's like this is just miles and miles
0: above the theatrical, cut. right? Right. Yeah, we saw a lot of what what he was going for and what could have been. Really, let's talk about some of the additions. Now we have more Silas Stone, like you were just talking about, which is Cyborg's dad. Um, you know, we have more of the dark side kind of backstory. We have a really sweet flashback to the first time dark side came to earth.
1: Yes. Um,
0: that scene was awesome. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, just seeing like David Thulis just being Aries, just huge <laughs> over everybody was pretty sweet. Uh, Zeus
1: himself looked like just... You know, cool, cool as he could possibly be. Like, the dude was just jacked, and he's wearing, like, a lion's pelt on his back, and his his hands were, like, just glowing
0: lightning. <laughs> yeah, he just was, like, throwing lightning from his hands.
1: And I'm like, man, this makes the god of war,
0: Zeus, just look <laughs> like a punk. Yeah. Like, like, Kratos ain't taking down this god. Yeah, it was... uh What they did was there was this whole scene where Wonder Woman is explaining the first time Darkseid tried to come and, and, you know, wipe out Earth and how um, all of the civilizations and peoples of the Earth kind of banded together to stop him. You know, and she's like, it's been done once before is basically what she was getting at. You know, and so there's this epic scene of just like you're seeing kind of Mongoli type humans working with the Atlanteans before they had ascended into the sea um, the Amazonians, you know, like we mentioned, Zeus and and Ares are there with this whole thing going on. And who, am I missing anybody? Who else was there? Oh, there was a <laughs> there was a Green Lantern <laughs> there. Um, kind of had a c- cool moment with one of those. Interestingly enough, it's not the one we saw in the
1: theatrical cut. It's a completely different one.
0: No, it, yeah, it's different. But man, yeah, that was just cool. And then the way they kind of. The way they just did that whole scene with how they took down Dark Side was just so cool. Oh, and I really like the...
1: Yeah, man, there was just such... It was such a heavy moment. Like, like you know, the beginning of Lord of the Rings where they, they're telling the backstory of how they brought down Sauron.
0: Yeah. It was one of those moments. Yeah, you're just... Like, he's like... They're kind of doing the swooping kind of camera shot, and you're just seeing, like... All these people just, like, basically just, like, climbing onto Darkseid, basically, and he's just, like, smacking them away, and it was a pretty, it was pretty sweet.
1: Uh, if anything, I guess I was underwhelmed by the amount of Greek gods there, because I think you see Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. Uh You don't see Poseidon. Poseidon. You think Poseidon would have been there?
0: Yeah, there wasn't.
1: Or at least his son, Trident.
0: Yeah, there really weren't any other gods, at least not, that uh, they that he showed there anyway, I guess. But, um, yeah. And then, I, you know, we were kind of speculating. So was it like, was it after the defeat of dark side <laughs> that Zeus and, and you know, that Diana was conceived? <laughs> like, was it a celebration or
1: just like the ending of world war two, man? That's how we had the the baby boom,
0: right? Yeah. Man. Diana was part of the original baby boom, I guess. Makes you wonder
1: is that when Hercules came about afterwards. too?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, in this too, I feel like we, we just see different character motivations in a lot of ways, but like Steppenwolf, not only is he redesigned and has a very different voice. Um, it, there's just like his motivation seemed different because, because of the fact of the inclusion of dark side, be no, us knowing he's there and Steppenwolf just seems so much more of like. They're, they play more into this, like, I'm trying to win back Darkseid's favor kind of element to him.
1: Yeah, so he could go home, essentially. Yeah. Because he's on a never-ending conquest of the universe, I guess. It's kind
0: of this thing where Darkseid is so mad at him that he's basically <laughs> like, the only way I'll ever forgive you is if you destroy 50, what do you say, 50,000 planets <laughs> for me or something.
1: Which, would that include something like Pluto? You just show up at Pluto, like... Yeah. Destroy it and like bam, one more down. Yeah,
0: I get maybe. <laughs> but then it uh, you know, it comes down to this. You know, it comes down to uh Wolf seeing a way where maybe he can win back the favor quicker by what he discovers on earth. And so, you know, you're just there's a lot more to his motivation and I think it kind of helps Stephen 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 Wolf. Wolf make more sense, you know, just kind of who yeah. he is and things like that. And so that was good and then we like we said there's just more with 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 all of them like what was probably like your favorite included scene or newly included scene in this cut um we kind of got it in
1: uh, the um theatrical cut but uh the scene with barry and his dad when they're sitting down Mm. uh, and his dad's in prison anyone who's a fan of the tv shows that there's uh, the Flash TV show knows that his father was sent to prison for, he was convicted for killing his mother, which didn't happen. Anyone knows who's read the comics knows who was really responsible for that. Not going to spoil anything for the Flash <laughs> movie, but uh, yeah, and it just seemed, it seemed a lot more dramatic because his dad is just like, don't ever come back here. He's like, you need to,
0: you need to go live your life. Yeah. Stop wasting your life trying to fix mine, basically.
1: Yeah, and it's just... Because this this is a moment where you... This Barry
0: Allen is so much cooler. Oh, my goodness. He's, I mean, miles, (laughs) miles above the other Barry Allen we saw. And I actually didn't mind Ezra Miller as Flash in the other movie, but you realize... (laughs) Well... I, I feel a lot more confident in the Flash movie now. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, this
1: this Barry Allen's confident. He knows how to handle himself. And there's a scene where he saves somebody and it's like, man, this guy, this guy is good. He knows
0: <laughs> he knows he knows what's up. Yeah. <laughs> that scene reminds me of another thing I want to talk to you. Now, there's a lot of moments in this where this is another kind of Zack Snyder. I don't know if it's like a so much a trope as like a signature of his, of the way he uses music in scenes. You know, you see it in Aquaman, that Aquaman scene when he's going back to the water and they have that big song where they change the song from the original cut. And then in that Barry Allen scene, you're talking about the the way they use that song as he's doing this kind of, we see it in slow-mo of what he's doing. And then there's like, what, three other things, scenes I can't remember where it's like, he uses a very specific song in the in a moment.
1: Yeah, when mm-hmm. Lois is walking to the Superman memorial. Yes,
0: thank you. That was another one. And uh Wait, Yeah. Are, was, you,
1: are you referring to when the girls
0: singing when Man leaves? Yeah. Uh, yes. The way because there was just all those moments where that's a very Zack snyder thing. He likes to use music in that sort of way. But I just I guess that was the other thing I just noticed in the movies that like I didn't mind most of those and I thought the music was a lot more all the music was just better in this cut. <laughs> the last one, I think, was just so thrown together. They got Danny Elfman to come in and just put something together. And, I think that's uh,
1: kind of what Danny Elfman just does. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe. But, yeah, it was just like, I don't know, all those things did really enhance. So let's talk a little bit, though, about the length here. Now, it is four hours and two minutes if you watch all the credits all the way to the end where it says made in Georgia or wherever it was made, but, you know, however it that was. How'd you feel about that length? What let's go back. How'd you feel about that length going into this movie?
1: <laughs> oh, I thought it was I thought this was gonna be like a real beast of burden. Like, we're gonna slog through this
0: to get to the end. I I was feeling the same way because I'm just like I know there's gonna be elements in here that are gonna be interesting and things, but it's still Four freaking hours.
1: You know, like our, our parents had to do walking to school, 12 miles uphill <laughs> in the snow. It's yeah. got to be
0: done, but we're going to do it. Because, I mean, I have gone... I've been to a four-hour movie in theaters that had a 10-minute intro, or a intro, intermission. And uh, that movie, you know, you, you noticed the length. It was Gods and Generals, which was like a prequel to Gettysburg. And so... You did kind of feel the length a little bit just because that movie was paced a little slower because of what it was about. Um, What about, th- so now after watching it, the length, what do you, what did you, what do you feel about it?
1: Oh man, that four hours felt pretty breezy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think at any point in time we were getting bogged down. I thought the story, everything in here kind of, well, there were a couple issues with this film. But it wasn't right. like, oh, needless, needless subplots or. Uh, I think I talked to you about this the uh, scene with Martha and Lois, where it's like she just. It was meant to be emotional, but it's just. They added in all the stupid humor. Mm. And so that stupid humor, which was so distracting, is gone. Yeah. And yeah, it's just. There were so many genuine little moments in here that I, you know, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at how, how much I enjoyed going through it.
0: Yeah, it was, it wasn't, yeah, at the end of the day, it wasn't a burden. It wasn't just like a, yeah, slog or anything where it was like, when it was over, I was like, well, that didn't really feel any different than watching like Avengers Infinity War Endgame. Which are both at least an hour shorter than this. Yeah.
1: Um, I brought this up right before we watched the movie, but uh, uh, if anyone's ever sat through Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, which has a couple of intermissions, you feel that movie. You are just there. And
0: you're,
1: <laughs> you're just there, and you're you're enduring every line of Shakespeare and. It's waiting for
0: Jack (laughs) Lemon to come back on screen, right? Yeah, but, uh,
1: yeah, this, that movie is not this movie, thankfully.
0: No. And, and like we said, you know, there were, there were a couple points in this movie where I was like, well, that was kind of silly. Or "Mm, was that better? You know, you know, like, and not necessarily better in terms of like production and things, but in terms of like, um, the decision made by the superhero, where I was like, "Is that decision that much really better?" <laughs> you know, and things like that. And so it's like, yeah, this movie wasn't perfect or anything. And uh, and even like, you know, there were a couple shots where you felt the CGI maybe a little bit or whatever. But it was like, on the whole, it was like, well, I'm finding myself being a little forgiving of even those things because on the whole. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you got to see the whole story that he wanted to tell. And what's interesting is because he, because I think it was like, he was given this opportunity to give his full vision. He didn't even hold back at the end. You know, he allowed it to like, like, Oh, this is where he was planning on going next, which I hate to say, we're not going to see it because nobody thought we were going to see this. But it's like I think the chance of us seeing that right now anyway is slim. You know.
1: I think if AT&T gets
0: enough money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, if they I think if they get enough yeah, if they get enough hype and money from this movie.
1: Yeah, and uh something to throw out there. Uh I thought Joss Whedon was responsible for the death stroke and Lex Luthor scene yeah. that we got. But apparently Zack
0: Snyder shot a version of that it's, it's completely different it's like the same location but it's like what we talked about with a couple other scenes in the movie it's same location but completely different dialogue and motivations yeah and then we see
1: that death stroke later and he's sporting like the mohawk and i'm like it reignited those like feelings <laughs> of like man he'd make a great death stroke in a movie if he was given <laughs> a shot yeah it's like just just let him and you know Ben Affleck have that you know the the movie they were where it's like Deathstroke going after him with basically guns blazing.
0: Yeah, and you got to think that Joe, what's his? How do you say his last name? Magdalene Yellow. <laughs> what are you I saying? always I always destroy it. Magn, May, Manginello, whatever. We this dude's been around since the first Spider-Man movie, and we still can't yeah. get his name right he, I would imagine, would be more than willing to play Deathstroke again. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, that had... I mean, he has to feel a little bit gratified even that this cut came out and to see, like... Even though he still didn't have a whole lot, but it was like, oh, they got to see a little bit more of where we were going with that character and stuff. Um, But, yeah, I I think what you can... what What I was definitively noticing is that it feels like A lot of the stuff that's put into the epilogue of this movie is probably some of the stuff that maybe Zack Snyder shot. You know, at least a few of those things had to be maybe the stuff that they came back and shot for this movie. And then the rest of the money was spent on putting all his scenes he had probably already kind of had in the can, maybe, you know, getting it all back together, doing the visual effects, music, all that jazz. If people had to come in and ADR some lines, you know, that were... Drowned out from noise or something. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like any, anything else. do you have. Um. Yeah, I mean
1: this movie. Well, although way better than the movie we that was released in the theaters in two thousand seventeen. Uh, it still, it still has a couple problems, and. This is gonna this is a huge thing in the movie. So Darkseid comes to Earth and he finds something that he's been looking for, and then apparently he just forgot it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he forgot which planet he put it on. And it's like, would he really forget that? It just it was it that was a point that was a, a plot point that pulled you right out of the movie where you're like why would he forget that? It just felt very odd, and it was. And part of it was like, I guess they, for screenwriter reasons, they just needed him to for the buildup to happen. But woof, yeah, yeah, didn't quite, didn't quite work. Um, and then we get a. It's called the nightmare. <laughs> yeah, night- nightmare with a K. And if you've seen BVS, the Batman v Superman movie, they have Bruce Wayne. You know, he falls asleep in the Batcave or whatever, and he has this like vision of the future. He calls it a premonition, I think. Yeah, where he sees like basically like a decimated planet Earth, parademons flying everywhere, and it's every. He's basically seeing this vision of the future, or whatever. It's all post apocalyptic.
1: Yeah, um, and this is, of course, where you see the uh, the Joker, uh, Jared Leto's much maligned Joker. And I just felt that that was so out of place. Yeah. And, you know, I just wish if one thing, that's the, that's the one thing he probably should have left out. Yeah. I thought...
0: Because, <laughs> I mean, we that, already... That scene was fine. Yeah. But the fact that everybody just stood in the back and just let batman and joker just talk to each other for like three straight minutes and i was, was just like <laughs> why what is happening right now and i'm
1: still pretty un unclear like what were they talking like the joker offers batman a card as a truce it's like aren't you guys you're traveling together in a post-apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland aren't you already i know Don't it was really strange and it was like
0: if the truce is over tear the card in half or something it's like what is going on? And did you notice he
1: was wearing like the gloves you'd wear if you wash dishes? Is that- yeah, he
0: was wearing these strange like kitchen rubber gloves, and it was like, what is he? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure out like was he trying to make himself look like a boy wonder? You know, and he was like, I'm gonna wear big gloves like Robin used to wear or something. You know, I don't who I don't know. It was very. Yeah. Every he- time they. Every time they try to use this Jared Leto Joker, it just never, it never lands. No. In my opinion, it's just never landed.
1: No, but, uh, and here's the problem with that, because there's a really cool moment uh, earlier in the movie where uh, Cyborg does see, like, kind of a a nightmare dreamscape, and yeah. that is so much, one, it's epic yes. as you can possibly imagine. Uh, for me, it was like a feast of the eyes just because there was all this cool stuff going on. And it's like we already had like the future, oh, this and then the the robot, the AI from the Kryptonian ship is also knows something's up because she's warning him not to proceed with what they're about to do. Yeah.
0: and yeah, it's just like we already got that dreamscape, but it was done way better. That's true. You know, now that you kind of say that, it was like you're right. That scene really was unnecessary, considering they already had a great they had a great kind of teaser foreshadowing of like, don't do this. You don't know what you're doing. And then the fact that Cyborg did get to see a glimpse, or was like, yeah, that probably would have been enough. You know, but again, I think you know he wanted to make sure he was building in this big thing they were leading to of where things were going to go and it was kind of world building, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, <sighs> they just, they're just going to, they need to let this Joker go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then I have a big, big complaint. And this is something we haven't talked about yet. At no point in this movie, does Cyborg say, booyah. <laughs> I was waiting for it. It never came, and I was just like, "Really?" <laughs>
0: but we did get the. You should probably move. What's put back in? <laughs> and you know, little little kind
1: of side note to that, I was shocked the the comp, the exchange Cyborg and Batman have for didn't think you were real. Oh yeah, and then he responds with. I'm real when I'm used When it's useful,
0: yeah, I'm real when it's useful or something.
1: Because I'm, a, I, I just because that sounds like something Joss Whedon would have written, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it, yeah, it felt like a little more like I don't know. Yeah, this Batman didn't feel like he would say that list. This, this Batman in this moment in time, but you know that was what I found more interesting in this version was that Batman. Batman is kind of the idealist, which was different. You know, he's not usually, I mean, he's the one who's like, and I guess you needed to because Superman's gone, you know, and Superman is typically the idealist, but well, not so much this version of Superman. But, you know, Batman just kind of being the one who's like, we need to do this. We have to bring this together. We have to work this out. And it's just like, you know, a lot of times Batman's the one who's like, you guys go do your thing. And then he like, <laughs> jumps away and then he comes back and says, "Yeah, well, you guys were all doing that. I figured this out. You know, it's kind of like, that's kind of how he usually rolls. So I'm just going to throw this out. High point
1: of the movie. Definitely Alfred's comments throughout the whole movie.
0: (laughs) It was fun to see a little more Jeremy Irons in this. (laughs) And I just love the fact that he's just like the mechanic in the shop. Like Bruce just brings back everything broken and Alfred just constantly fixing it. And then constantly just snarking it up
1: yeah um was there anything besides what you already kind of said that killed the move the vibe of the movie maybe for you
0: mm. uh there wasn't anything that really like killed it you know like like we talked about that Joker thing was kind of necessary uh I don't you know I think probably the biggest issue that this DC stuff needs to work out is their, their villains are either annoying or just like, don't work. You know, like this Lex Luthor is kind of like, I don't know. And that's why it's like, you know, this de- that death stroke, even though like maybe he can on and off be an ally of sorts at times, like they should really consider still using him. You know, I don't know, but I don't know. You know, the, Cause what is DC planning to do now? They're kind of just going to have like a bunch of movies that are going to be sometimes connected, but sometimes <laughs> just kind of be their own thing, which is probably smart. Um, everyone
1: keeps kind of saying that that flash movie is going to introduce the, the whole you know idea of a multiverse. You know, you're going to see sure. Not only Ben Affleck is going to be in it, but we're also going to be getting the Michael Keaton Batman allegedly. Sure. Um, uh, And, you know, Robert Pattinson, then you could obviously say, oh, Robert Pattinson's Batman just takes place in another, is in another universe.
0: Yeah, Um, he could be the, yeah, whatever, an Earth-1 Batman and one's the uh, different.
1: Interestingly, I have a question for you. Have you seen uh, some of the footage from that Batman set?
0: I mean, mean, I've just seen like a few, you know, the the classic shot that kind of got around first with him standing by the car. Oh.
1: I and mean, then that teaser trailer. There's uh, one of the pictures from the set was part of the movie takes place during Halloween, and there's somebody cosplaying as Superman walking around. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. That's interesting. Right, and uh, it's funny because uh, the Flash TV show, the old one, not the not the one that's on the CW, did that same thing because they're at a costume party. And someone's someone's wearing the old Christopher Reeve costume. <laughs> oh, so I I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, but, uh...
0: I thought of one thing that I struggled with this movie a little bit was it's kind of a comic book when they do these kind of like grouping up hype movies like Avengers kind of had this issue too with Thanos where it was like why didn't dark why doesn't dark side just come. Like, why do they have to have, like... I mean, there's a point when he could have just been there. Yeah. You know, and... And and it was... And uh, and Marvel, this is the same... This is a critique of Marvel, too, where it's like, Thanos, just come. Why does he have to be sitting in this chair for so long, you know? I don't don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it's just the hype, you know? (laughs) But it's just like, you know, Darkseid could have just come... A lot sooner.
1: I mean, I suppose if he they had just wanted to do the uh, that when they rebooted the DC continuity, they they relaunched those new 52 comics, yeah. And I forget what the storyline was called, but uh, Darkseid just shows up and he's just full on frontal assault on the (laughs) earth. And all these heroes scramble to just get together and they don't know each
0: other, they don't even like each other. See, I think that's what they should have done with this because um, you're already just kind of having everything happen as it is where it's like they should have just had side show up and it's just like we got to get some people. Because otherwise, by side holding off, he's just giving them more time to build a better team. <laughs> you know, he's giving them time to possibly find some more people to bring into the bring into the bring into the mix
1: and that's uh I think part of that was he had plans Zack Snyder did have plans um it's referenced in you know he's they're gonna use Wayne Manor as the Hall of Justice
0: and yeah that was cool yeah. I liked that I liked that scene
1: and he says oh just enough room for six chairs more if we need them and uh that Dark side apocalypse Kind of stole some of like the concept work for some of Zack Snyder's sequel when they made that movie. Oh, and I think one of the things they took might have been like all those heroes just standing there listening to Superman, like we gotta we gotta go after Darkseid on his own soil, you know. We gotta take him out like strategically, like a knife, mm. like a scalpel going in, you know. And I think maybe that's that was his plan, you know, just yeah. kind of pad the roster, and that would have been more epic. But at the same time, kind of worse because the mission ends terribly.
0: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> which is why Earth goes down the
0: toilet.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: But Oh, sorry. sorry.
1: Go ahead. Uh, there are two other DC uh, superheroes in this. They're, they don't show up in costume, and it's not implied that they have powers, but uh, there's a character named Ryan Choi, who eventually becomes the Atom. And then uh, the, sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there's a, there's a cop that kind of interacts with George, uh, Jim Gordon, and that's supposed to be the Spectre. So
0: yeah, uh, just kind of nice little nods. And they give some more kind of notice to Martian Manhunter Yes, too, Um which everybody, I think it goes back to Man of Steel. There was a character that was like, I think that's supposed to be Martian Manhunter, right? Isn't Doesn't that go back to Man of Steel? Yeah. Yeah, because he's in that. And so, yeah, they kind of play with that a little bit more. And so you kind of do see where these things could have been going and kind of what they did with the Ryan Choi where they're like, you're going to be in charge of this nano division, wink, wink. <laughs> you
1: know? And, yeah, there's there was actually two nods to the Green Lanterns in this. Yeah. Uh, the
0: sequence that
1: we talked about in Another one, apparently, you missed.
0: Yeah, I did miss that one. Yeah, like, I think it was I it was one of those things where you kind of looked away, and it was one of those, like, look away and you miss it moments, as it was. um, But, yeah, and so, w- yeah, we kind of maybe went into a little tangent there of just, like, that was dumb, or this, we didn't like that. But on the whole, not bad. I really liked this movie, and... It um, was enjoyable. It was weirdly... I was expecting this to be, like, still a little bit of a choppy train wreck. <laughs> and uh, you may not remember
1: this, but we had kind of wanted to talk about, I don't think we reviewed the, the original Justice League. We didn't. No, and that's funny. I think I had said something along the lines, like, if we do this, I'm going to need a lot of caffeine and a lot of whiskey. <laughs> One, to just to just cope with what, what was on
0: screen. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, and what's funny is I rewatched Batman v Superman: The Ultimate Edition, which honestly wasn't that much different. That movie is still kind of uh, oof. You do need some something a little yeah. stronger to get through that, just because it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, there, there were so many better choices made in this movie that I think what we're seeing and here's one of the biggest positive things, this thing that we sit here and we, we say this was so much better than what they released. And I hope that like these students are learning that maybe they should back up and allow these directors who have these ideas to maybe just maybe to trust them a little bit. If you're going to hire them, trust them a little bit. Marvel learned that the hard way. And then they finally did start trusting their filmmakers more. Guess what? The movies got, even though the movies before Age of Ultron, there's some good ones. Think about how much better they got after Age of Ultron. You know, I hate to
1: be that guy. But I I think I should just say, uh, you know, kind of be careful what you wish for, because J.J. Abrams is, is making well, a
0: Superman movie. Well, but I'm not saying, like, you just hand over the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. What I'm saying is, There might be a few times where when the director says, can you just trust me on this one, where these studio heads maybe a few more times than they are right now need to go, okay, and at least allow it to get to the screening stage. Yeah. Because I think they're just kind of like, it's like, why are you hiring these? Like in terms of J.J. Abrams, like if you're having all these concerns, why'd you hire him? Yeah. Because part of me is thinking, like, I don't know if I want a J.J. Abrams Superman movie, honestly. And I kind of like J.J. Abrams.
1: Yeah. but You know, uh, and so. Just kind of going back to David Ayer, like, this dude was under pressure. I'm surprised he wrote a script in the time <laughs> he was given, which allegedly was like 13 weeks.
0: Something crazy. Yeah.
1: And it's like, man, I would <laughs> That's like, uh, it's like. Asking to trust like a dentist to work on your mouth, who's only had like thirteen weeks to schooling, like yeah, and uh, with, you know, and the hope is always maybe they did because it sounds like James Wan is firmly in control of
0: Aquaman. Yeah, and I think uh, that movie w- was better for it. Yeah, uh, you know, even though again, you know, it's not perfect, it's better, better for it. Yeah. Uh,
1: speaking of another James, James Gunn, apparently they basically greenlighted all his ideas and kind of stoked for that movie honestly
0: well i think that was a case where they saw him get a little more of the reins at marvel and people liked you know people liked what he did i mean so. we've barely
1: seen anything about a joke character like the peacemaker and everyone's stoked
0: to see him on screen yeah yep so yeah i guess that being said out of Five mother boxes, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think of what we were going to use for this one. I, I decided on mother boxes, since that's still a big player in this movie. Out of five mother boxes, how many would you give Zack Snyder's Justice League? You know what, man?
1: I, I'm going all in four and a half mother boxes. Wow,
0: four and a half mother boxes. Yeah, I, I'm i going to give it a four. If you would have two days ago... <laughs> I would I would have found it laughable that we'd be saying four and four and a half out of five on this movie. You know, I I was so nervous to watch this. I'm like, <laughs> what if it sucks? You know, because I've you here thinking like, oh man, we kind of committed to like reviewing this, so we kind of have to sit through it. <laughs> and then a part of it is like,
1: then the whole the whole kind of outcrying was for nothing, and it was all yeah our hopes and dreams <laughs> yeah or about as worthless as the dirt on the ground
0: yeah yeah it but again you know it, it was fun i mean it wasn't it still was a little dc grim but it was still of a really good movie and honestly didn't feel like it was any grimmer than most DC comics you read nowadays that involves Batman and, you know, some of these characters. And so I'd say it's on par (laughs) with what you'd expect from the comics, you know, as far as like, oh, why is it so dour or something, you know?
1: I mean, it didn't leave us in kind of the rut that the Joker left us.
0: So Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess now that's the gold standard for grim
0: movies. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe. But yeah, but we'd love to know what you thought of this movie too. And so let us know, did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you say, I didn't really see any difference between either, you know, like I felt like they were just the same movie. One was longer, whatever. Um, We'd love to know. So let us know.
1: Yeah. And if you hate this movie, just for the aspect ratio alone, really, really what's going on, man?
0: Is everything okay at home? Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but honestly, I felt like after about ten minutes, I kind of forgot about it.
1: Yeah, I was a little apprehensive when I saw that, but I just—you
0: kind of—you just start watching, you don't think about it as much. Oh, it was kind of—it was kind of a four-three tall screen setup <laughs> to it, but whatever. You kind of let it go. So, but yeah, like I said, love to know what you thought, and where you can do that is YouTube, Facebook. Find us in all those places. We're just the Dakota Boys talking movies. So if you subscribe and like and all those things, we'd love it. Leave some reviews, suggestions, any of that stuff. we love it. We can handle it. <sighs> I hope. So anyway, thanks for listening to this episode on Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is Steven. This is Dakota. We'll catch you next time.